Is it working this time, Ned? Huge relief. Take two. Take two. The numbers are spinning around this time. Fortunately, I only realised after about an hour and a half, but it was golden. An hour and a half. half, A minute and a half. It was a golden minute and a half, wasn't it? Mm. It's a shame. I don't know if we can do it again. No, we can't recreate it. The energy. We commented on headphones, headphones. didn't we? Yeah. 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 Uh, just to summarise, I'll do it in a dry fashion. It's not going to be particularly amusing. David is wearing quite a standard, quite elegant, obviously really quite expensive, high-fidelity pair of headphones. Um, Pete is wearing something that looks like he's picked it up at the uh, departures gate they're in bang Monaco on, I think they're Bang & Olufsen. They they're, are. They're they are. super expensive headphones that Pete's wearing. They're, I was they're kindly white. gifted. Bang & Olufsen, the Danish company. Lo- they're honestly the best headphones I've ever had. Like, easily. Yeah. The battery life, the comfort, everything about them is incredible. I would prefer them to be black, but I'm not going to be fussy, to be honest, because they're ace. So, yeah, they are shiny, though. They are very shiny, boyish. Yeah. You do look like you're going into space, whereas Ned looks (laughs) like he's 20,000 leagues under the sea in a Victorian (laughs) kind of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's Ned all over his rogueness. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing a different... You know, he'll just turn up to the tour one year with, like, this, like random necklace on i don't know if it is random it might be very sentimental to you ned um it is oh, actually well, so you you've just trodden I'm on a bit of sentiment sorry there. yeah that's uh, awkward that's oh awkward. my god but, yeah. i put my bloody foot yeah. over that. <laughs> no, but, but but it is very it's random it's one of them well. that it's yeah random. it's uh it just doesn't seem like Ned, but he's just, he'll rock it. It's go, it's go on then, what's don't the story care. behind yeah. it, Ned? Or is it too... Don't care. No, well, it's obviously not something I'm going to divulge. This, you know, we have so many listeners these days, oh, I don't okay. know who might be looking. Okay. You know, uh, oh. yeah. mm. So anyway, okay. this... Uh, nice. Oh, no, it's not like, no, it's not like that. <laughs> That's just weird. So, uh, I'm so bad for doing that, aren't I? Doing stuff like that with Ned. <laughs> <laughs> Set him up. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, no, but you're up. You're barking up completely the wrong tree there. And what was that kind of Sid James laugh all about there, David? That kind of <laughs> yeah. slightly kind of no, nothing like that. Deans. Just a, just a. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, Pete, you've literally just raced back from the time trial, yeah. the individual time trial at the Tour of Portugal. Mm-hmm. Was it the last stage today? No. Yeah. No yeah. penalty yeah, stage. It. Done. Oh, oh, it was the last done. stage. Yeah. It's oh, a, I think it's Pete. a national holiday in Portugal today. So. Bit like we have bank holiday. Fifteenth, fifteenth, fifteenth of August. Yeah. Do you know why it is? Uh, It's St Mary's. Okay. Isn't it? Fair one. Yeah. Um, I bet Lords is going crackers, isn't it? Assumption. Lords will be going off mental, (laughs) off the grid. It'll be like Magaluf (laughs) on like a big Saturday. Yeah. It'll be good. (laughs) So, guys, yeah. that was so amazing, wasn't it? Our 24 hours in Lourdes. Oh. It wasn't even 24 hours. We arrived so late. Yeah. But isn't it weird after all these years in the tour, you've, you guys having raced it and me having been on it for so... I don't think any of us had ever been to the centre of Lourdes. Is that right? I, I hadn't been... I've been to Lourdes often, but I had never been into the beating heart, like the Soho okay. of Lourdes. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible! It was like I just could not. I couldn't believe. I could not believe it. Couldn't. I was like on the phone to Lauren. Was like, I can't even explain what this place is or what's going on. And Gary Imlach got into trouble, didn't he? I don't know if you listened to the podcast on his (laughs) 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 when he. um, It was the start of the stage, wasn't he? Stage starts in Lords, where one of the top ten things to do is leave. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> really <laughs> subtle. <So> good. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, it tickled <laughs> me anyway. But yeah. 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 But, uh, <laughs> but going back to just the setup of this pod, because it's, um, it's Monday evening, it's 7.30 in, actually it's 6.30 in Portugal, isn't it? Because yeah. you guys are in UK time. Um, yep. 
but you've literally, Ned and I have been sitting here like coiled springs, but with the patience of saints, because we know you've had to race to get to this podcast. Absolutely. It's um, chapeau, old boy. And how did the guys get on the time trial? (laughs) Well, I've got um, Ollie here with me, actually. I think he's going to come and say hello to the podcast listeners, but uh, he did an absolutely epic ride. Bear in mind, I think it's one of the longest stage races he's done. Um, he switched on today. It was great. Uh, really technical. Like He executed the time trial perfectly, and I don't think he could have asked for any more in terms of results. I was in the car like a nervous wreck because I, I can't... <laughs> I maybe I should you know, send a picture of the 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 route or tag it in on Twitter so people actually understand what I'm talking about right now because it's yeah. insane and you're in the car and you're responsible for on or off the tri bars because if you go through a mm. corner and you tell the rider to get off the skis then or off the tri bars sorry which is the time trial position you hold on the on the tri bars for anyone who doesn't know that it's um you lose probably three to five seconds straight away um where if you don't tell them to get off the tri bars and you need to then their life is literally in your hands. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so Pete, yeah. uh, Pete, Pete, I'm <laughs> oh, don't put it like that, but I, I guess that's absolutely true. But I mean, I'm looking at the because you posted it on our WhatsApp group, the map, and it's absolutely insane. It's mm. just it's a it's an urban individual time trial, isn't it? You're passing through a city or a town at least. Where were you today? Uh, Porto, and so in Porto, what you can't okay. tell from this map. Also, Ned is the elevation. So the last three oh, right. kilometers, and there was another descent that was like 20, well, no, 16% probably downhill on cobbles on a time trial bike. Oh, yeah. Man. Mental. Oh, and also, like, I was speaking to Ollie at, um, in the car just then, and I was saying, as a director, you know, when you see riders ha- make little twitches or um, take corners a bit on the limit, it looks so much worse than it is on the bike. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So as a rider, like little tiny, you know, even if you have to recorrect, Mm. recorrect or whatever, you don't really feel it or notice it. But in the car, you're like, ah, it's like, Mm. ah. (laughs) (laughs) And then also I was behind, (laughs) Oli caught um, a Burgos rider and I was like quite far behind him. And it was on this really fast section, probably 60k an hour. And there was a left-hand turn off skis into cobbles. And I was like, um, left-hand turn attention off the skis onto cobbles and I was just like well I hope it is because I can't actually see where you are I'm kind of just guessing because of where I am <laughs> on the map with Velo Viewer following the route as well and the map I have in my hand so it was crazy anyway should we see what it's got to say about the race and yeah br- brilliant yeah it's only there yeah, then. so do I'll you know f- how just, we're yeah. talking about these shiny headphones that we're all wearing so yeah. I give mine yeah. to him you're gonna pass and them I'll over. just sit yeah. out for a second Pass them over. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to right. talk to Ollie. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm passing the headphones so Pete over. Kenyuk is now <laughs> he is now standing up and passing over the shiny ball headphones in a, a really quite 1970s looking hotel lobby. It's beautiful. It's got that. I quite like it actually. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Hi guys. Um, Ollie Reese is here. Can oh yeah? Can you hear I us? I can hear you Ollie. loud and clear. Hello. This is I'm Ned. And Hi. That guy I'm David. Hi Ollie. Is da- nice to meet you, David. Nice to meet you. Um, just looking at your results, Ollie. So t- uh, four. Top tens on the race, right? Including today. Yeah. Uh, firstly, thanks for having me on the podcast, making my oh, making my pleasure. podcast debut right now. So hopefully it goes all right. Brilliant. Oh. And that'd be amazing. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, it was a it was a really good race. It's my longest race that I've ever done. 
Um, so I didn't really know what to expect, especially in the second half of the race, because that's kind of unknown territory, you know. So four mm. top tens. Uh, yeah, I'm happy with it. It's a really good experience. What type Have of... You got a, sorry, Ned. i uh, just jump in there. Yeah. Ollie, what was it? Cause I, I remember cause Portugal is such a hard stage race at amateur level because of, as you said, the length and also the type of racing. It's actually got pretty high level of racing for amateur racing. Did you come into it thinking you were one type of racer and coming out of it thinking you're another type of racer? Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely, each race, to be honest, I'm discovering myself more and more as I get older. Uh, I think I started off the year saying that I was a pure climber. And I think maybe that's just because I wanted to be. That's what I've always watched on TV mm. and thought I wanted to be that. So I kind of convinced myself mm. that's what I am. But as I've raced more this year, I've started to realise that I'm probably not a pure climber, a bit more punchy than I originally thought. And I think that this race has just confirmed that. There yeah. was a very short prologue, wasn't there? Like 5K prologue, uh, am I right in saying that? And you got you got a podium in that, didn't you? You finished third? Yeah, I finished third in that one. That was uh, to start it all off at the start of, well, obviously, a prologue. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. was a short effort, kind of similar to like a IP, individual pursuit on the track, which I used to do when I was younger. So I really enjoyed that effort as well. That's brilliant. Nuts. You're going through IP. I just, I was just looking again because it just said so because we didn't state uh, Oliver's age. He's 21, born in 2001. My first visit to Portugal was at the World Championships in Lisbon in 2001. <laughs> ah. I was 24. Yeah, you well. make me feel very old. But it's super. <laughs> but honestly, Ollie, it's it's really cool that you kind of you you come in as a climber and think you could be something else because that's much more interesting. It's you've got to kind of keep your the keep your kind of eyes open to the opportunities because often if you're doing IPs and cl and you think you're a climber that's there's a lot of potential there to do all sorts of things yeah thank you yeah um, and what about what about the other top tens because you've got a sixth and it's very hard when I you know when you're not at the race and I didn't wasn't able to follow it on TV so just looking at the the raw results it's kind of difficult to know what the races were like but what were the other top ten you got a sixth didn't you some on one of the other stages so were you in a bunch kick or I mean, how did that unfold? Yeah, so two of the top tens, the sixth and the second place, were both in bunch sprints. Um, the first one was right at the start of the race, the first road stage, which was good because that's when we had a full team and we had a nice lead out for that. So that was, yeah, that was quite easy for me to stay positioned. And the sixth was obviously not as high, but the result that I was probably most proud of because uh, I was away in a move in the first hour of the race um, which never got more than a minute and then eventually got caught but I then refocused got going again and managed to get a sixth uh, at the end of the stage in the sprint um, with by myself uh, pushing a lot of wind towards the end so that was the one that I was probably most happy with. More happy than than wearing the glass drive jersey and being invited onto their bus? So that was definitely the highlight. I realized halfway through, I was like, I need something to remember this race by. This is such a cool race that I'm going to remember forever. And that is the perfect memento from this race. Yeah, it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so people, because a lot of people won't know uh, what the Glass Drive bus is all about. They, they are a Portuguese continental team, aren't they? Conti team. And they and they bossed the race, right? I think they won it overall, didn't they? they? And they were kind of right up there every they day. They annihilated the race. They got one, <laughs> they one two, three on the GC. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, very classic. good. Well, it sounds like, Ollie, you can do a bit of everything. And um, it's something that David and I, in particular on this podcast, have been talking about um, for years, really, for the, at least for the last couple of years, how, you know, we call, we call your generation rather um, sort of patronizingly, but full of respect as well at the same time. Newer, actually, it's not patronizing at all. It's no. just full of respect. We call your generation newer humans. And we've been watching on from the distance of our experience as cycling has changed completely in terms of what young riders think that they can do. And there is much more preparedness to risk um, failure in order to succeed. And there's much more preparedness to embrace disciplines to which you didn't think you were uh, necessarily designed as a rider. And so, and you know, the ultimate expression of that, I guess, is Wout van Aert and what he did over the last couple of years, specifically at the Tour de France. I mean, does that, is that something, do you watch those riders like van Aert and think, well, why not? Why not do a bit of everything? Actually, I prefer Philippe to Van Aert. So he's my favourite rider. But <laughs> yeah, these guys are but amazing. For, but, for similar re- but for similar reasons, I guess, Ollie, because there's so much range to what he does. Oh, definitely. Maybe. I think I like Philippe. Well, it's the same reason that everyone likes Van Aert as well. It's just they're so attacking. They're racing a three-week Grand Tour and they're just treating it like 21 one-day races. And it's pretty amazing. They don't really care if they fail. And uh, mm. I love that. Mm. Um, and what about your own personal background, Ollie? What, what got you into the sport and, and uh, how did you discover it? Because it's not for everyone, is it? <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah, so <laughs> it's quite a standard story, really. My dad used to cycle, um, still does. And we used to go to France every year on holiday during the summer uh, to the Alps. And we'd often coincide that trip with watching the Tour de France pass by. <laughs> by classic accident. dad, classic dad behaviour. Yeah, yeah, oh, the Tour oh, de France is here, well, <laughs> we're going to have to go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then just as long as I can remember, really, I've been watching bike races and then naturally started going to the local sessions um, in Yorkshire, where I'm from, and from there yeah. just kicked off, yeah. Which bit of Yorkshire are you from, Ollie? I'm from West Yorkshire, Huddersfield. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, well, they breed, breed hard riders up there for sure. Um, uh, so second year with Trinity um, and first year working with Peter Kenyuk, director sportive. <laughs> How's that experience been? Has, Pete, has, it been, has it been nice working with, um, I don't know, should I call him Mr. Kenyuk? I just Maybe saw, I, I just know it's Ollie just looking back because he knows he's sitting right yeah. behind him. Yeah, yeah, I've got to be careful so, yeah, what don't, I say don't ignore can him. hear everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> what's it? What's it like working with um, Mr. Kenyuk? I'm going to call him Mr. Kenyuk. Yeah. No, it's been really good at this race. This is obviously the first time where he's been my DS, and to be honest, he's surprised me a lot. He's uh, been so much better than I thought he would be, which is uh, that's a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's been he's been really good. Is um, I think as a ride, like an ex-rider, he just, he gets it, you know, he, he knows what you want to hear, um, which is the main thing. So when he's talking to you on the radio, he doesn't tell you things that are unnecessary information. He just tells you exactly what you want to hear. And it's really good. I think the other thing is the amount of work that he does behind the scenes. He, he won't admit to this, but he's a really hard worker. And yeah, I, I owe him a lot for this race. Mm. I can I can well believe that. Ollie, are we going to see you at the Tour of Britain, or is that team not been determined yet? Are you on the on the list for that? Or yeah, that's my next race. So I've now got 
what was it two and a half weeks before that to get home, recover, and then get going again for that. You'll excellent. be flying. You'll yeah. be flying. That's the plan. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Dave, Dave, David and I will be commentating for ITV. So yeah. give us a little, can you give us a little sort of like interesting thing about you that we can endlessly regurgitate mm. like for five hours in a row? Like, I don't know. Mm. Do you collect? Be- better than you like dogs. Yeah. Or do you collect terrapins perhaps? Yeah. You can just make it I don't up. I like terrapins like are. There's a, like the very Time small newts, like little t- kind of little crocodile things in it that you put in an, an aquarium. I don't know. Is there anything like that, or do you are you really good at particularly complex cuisine? Well, <laughs> let's say I my interests are I like sport, uh, most sports, yeah, particularly yeah. American sports, uh, American okay. football and basketball. I'm the better. I'm a big uh, Miami Heat fan in basketball, and. Bingo, a Washington boom. Commanders fan in the American football. Don't ask why. Uh, I just am. I'm making a, I'm making a note right <laughs> That's now. That's good. That's and, not on pro cycling stats. Exactly. And if you get in a breakaway, you know, I, I, you will hear that over and over yeah. again cool. on the telly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big fan. Yeah. All right, Ollie, it's really nice to meet you. Yeah. Do you want to take those um, very bling headphones yep. off now and thanks, pass them back thanks to Thanks very um, much Mr. for having Kenyuk. me. No, it's Pleasure, really nice to meet you. Good luck. Thank you. Cheers. And, and yeah. recover well. We'll see you in um, Aberdeen. Will do. Bye. All right. Cheers. There we go. So the uh, headphones being passed. I think back. he was uh, there. He's after my place on the he pod, isn't he? He's a lovely yeah, he's young good. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just about yeah. to just well, go off to my room and chill out for the next hour. Well, it's his first pod, isn't it? Because he didn't realise that it's uh, it's not. Um, I think he felt so comfortable in Ned and my company that he just was having conversation. In so. a way, it was a compliment to us, wasn't it? David? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and like me, almost actually. Yeah, he's very nice he's very nice about you Pete Mm. he said he said he's he's better than I thought he would be (laughs) story honestly I think everyone has this idea that I'm like I don't know it's not fair is it it's just not fair it's not fair Pete it's not fair Pete Um, that I'm like this joker or idiot but I'm actually quite serious when it comes to it I can tell it's serious because you're not doing your hair and you've got that kind of brush forward like DJ oh yeah, superstar. there's no look. You're just normal shampooing. There's no kind of extra oily products gone in mm. at all. There, no. there? It's given up. Just back, stripped it back, back to basics. Oh, You've gone yeah. down to one lanyard since you started the call. You were in three lanyards before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, oh no, that was the cocky, so I don't lose it. Um, yeah, I I was close in the race to going for like. Uh, well, I actually thought about it one morning. I wish I brought wet look gel. You know, so I could either go like proper back, like seventies, is it? Maybe I don't know. Sixties, fifties, all of it. Fifties, the funds. Yeah. Fausto, yeah, Fausto, proper yeah. slip back. You know, yeah. uh, director yeah. style. Cobbly, collar, Hugo Cobbly, even up. Yeah, I don't know. And I've got these these gold Ray Bans, which you've seen, which are great. Proper director sunglasses. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh yeah. And then yeah. I've got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then also I thought I could go like really wet look. Um, f- you know, uh, messy like. Like yeah. rogue director, you know, like one of them, but <laughs> Portuguese tart in hand. What are they called? Pasta della Nata? Or I, yeah. I don't know. You're fully embedded in Portugal. Yeah. I know. Very I said to the guys yeah, today, I was like, we're institutionalized. Like we, we love, well, actually, no, maybe that's not right. We love <laughs> Portugal. We don't want to leave. We want to race here. We, we're just, by the end of this race, it's quite long. We're just like, this is, this is where it's at. <laughs> like, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Um, so just going on to other pro cyclists who kind of are into things. We have a listener called Sam Gaze. I know. 
I know. He was hugely disappointed that yeah. he didn't get yeah. mentioned. And I, I, yeah. I feel rightfully so, considering he's a listener. We didn't know who's a listener who was. We just talked well, up so I much you commentating on the Commonwealth Games mountain bike race. So here's the thing. I kind of, um, I kind of... I kind of know that Sam is a listener, actually, but I didn't know directly that Sam was a listener because I know that um, his partner, Amy Jones, listens, who lives in Girona. She's a journalist who lives mm. in Girona, ex-rider. Mm. Um, and Amy's actually writing something for The Roadbook this year that I'm thoroughly looking forward to reading. So I know that Amy's been listening for a while. And I also know, David, you and I commentated on the tour of Antalya together. Yes. And erroneously, I mean, it was me rather than you committing this offence, referred to Sam Gaze as an Australian. Mm. And via Ouch. via WhatsApp, I was being messaged by Amy, or I think by via direct message or something Amy, like that, saying yeah. he's not he's not Australian. He is from New Zealand, and he is my boyfriend. And <laughs> I, I'll confess, I didn't know I didn't know who Sam Gaze was then. I know a lot more about who Sam Gaze is now because I commentated on Sam's brilliant win. His um back to back, he is the back to back gold medalist, the back to back um, Commonwealth Games champion in um, in cross country mountain biking. And um, quite a story, actually. I mean, his, his win in Birmingham this year, which I commentated on, he was away uh, with another... Ki- the Aust- Australia, I've done it again. New Zealand... <laughs> co- oh. New Zealand absolutely dominate the scene uh, in terms of the Commonwealth Games at the very least. Mm. And they have done for uh, the last three editions of the race. Um, he was, he was o- away ripping the race up with his teammate Ben Oliver... And um, th- they kind of like were swapping on the front, lap after lap after lap. And in the end, Sam just dropped Oliver and rode away. And, 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 and that was his second gold medal in succession. Um, so four years ago at the Gold Coast, he also won gold in reasonably controversial circumstances when he punctured. He was away at that, at that point with um, Anton Cooper, another Kiwi. And uh, he punctured, Sam punctured, and kind of expected... Um, Cooper, who was younger than him, to significantly younger than him, to wait and look after his team leader. And um, Cooper didn't, and he just rode off to try and win the race. And uh, Sam got mechanical assistance, got a wheel change or whatever it was, and then went after him, caught him, and beat him on the line. And as he did, he flicked the bird uh, to to Anton Cooper. And it was quite a stink in the sort of like New Zealand scene. And I think in the heat of the moment, I think Sam quite regretted what he'd done. He took the gold medal and a, a day or two later, he was extremely contrite and apologetic about what mm. he'd done. Um, but yeah, so he won, the, he won the silver medal in Glasgow, gold in the Gold Coast, gold in, uh, in Birmingham. So he's, um, you know, in terms of the Commonwealth Games, he's the best mountain biker around. And hats off, Sam. It was a brilliant victory. Enjoyed calling it. Yeah, Go on, I, uh, no, I met Sam because I've done a bit of mountain biking this year. Not actually on a mountain bike, but DS mountain biking at, um, I think it was, what World Cup was it? Anyway, it was a World Cup earlier in the year. And yeah, he's a great guy. He actually stopped me, like made an effort to to stop and speak to me. Uh, and he, uh, Yeah, I'd heard of the, his name in the mountain bike scene, but didn't know what he looked like or who he was. Um, because he, cr- he, he crushes the um, the short track stuff because obviously his, his mm, road yeah. background, you know, so he's like really punchy. Um, and yep. yeah, he stopped and said said hello. And um, yeah, I think he's got, you know, similar stories to me in terms of struggling with mental health and then refinding him his love for cycling, uh, refinding his form. And he seems to be, you know, he seems to be fully 
in control of everything now and it you know it's just he's just going from strength to strength at the minute so um it's a yeah, great brilliant. story and, and it's th- great to see a, a nice guy like him super cool come back from uh, yeah. a difficult moment in his career I think also he's, he's. I think he's also come back from double knee surgery earlier on this year. Wow. So to to do the race he did in Birmingham was um was absolutely massive. So yeah. Mm. So well done. Yeah. And uh, um, a- Amy, Amy, I should say. Sorry, this there's a link, you know, to racing here. Amy is right. As I said, she's writing for the Roadbook this year. She, she's a really good writer. She's writing a piece about the um the the new women's world tour race, the Tour of Scandinavia, that's just finished, which was a complete Mariana Vosfest. Oh, she, that makes me so happy. She won. She won. I don't know how many stages there were. Seven in the end. She won four of them, Champion. and uh, and the queen. But the queen stage went to um, Cecilia Utrup Ludwig, who won the general classification plus the queen stage. So that to go with her win at the Tour de France Femme mm. um, means that she's having by far the best uh, year of her of her entire racing career. So yeah, that was the story of the Tour of Scandinavia. Yeah. Can I touch on yeah. mechanics quickly? Oh, yeah, in cycling teams. Go for it. Uh, mm. the, I well, I'm just completely flabbergasted by, well, one we talked about it a lot, didn't we, in the tour about what goes on in the Tour de France outside of the peloton mm. in terms of the, the well oh TV for one, but the the whole structure of the race, and now I'm getting a bit of a glimpse on the other side of the fence from what happens within teams. It's absolutely relentless. I mean, the transfer to the start. The, the the responsibility and it's Swan years as well. I'm just I'm just talking about mechanics for the sake of it tonight. But um, they then do the the five hours in the car, which five hours in a car going anywhere or doing any you know on any drive is tiring, isn't it? Um, Completely. and then they literally have to get back and work until the sun goes down on the bikes, and then they do it all again, clean the cars, hoover them. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, it's unbelievable. Mm. So so good. Yeah. I was uh, I wrote um, in my book the racer kind of a whole kind of homage homage to mechanics because I always had that thing where they were the most kind of arguably on the ground the most important people and with the most at stake and the least appreciated and the first ones up and the last ones to bed and and also just the quietest most unassuming and uh, humble people yeah so I, I'm I'm with you Pete. I'm a, a huge fan and appreciator of of mechanics. Uh, absolutely, but uh, surely as 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 a racer, Pete, you would have kind of been aware of that, or you do? Did you live in you know uh, such, such a bubble? No one, I suppose about your own performance. Uh, were you were you just not aware? I don't. I don't. I mean, David obviously was if he's wrote about it and talked about it, but I just wasn't aware of anything, and I'm not sure a lot of, a lot of riders are in terms of what goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, Ollie, from what he was saying, has a bit of an idea, but what goes into making a team and bike race work, it's absolutely insane. Um, and it, even being in, in a DS for, as a DS for Trinity Race and, and trying to micromanage the team, you know, with all the mm, different roles yeah, that are going yeah. on, riders, um, staff's probably the the most difficult to, to manage because they're almost on a par with you you know you're all adults and you're all doing different jobs with different stresses that are hard to understand unless yeah. you're in that specific role so that can be really sure. difficult but the best I don't, the only the only complication happens when a certain member of staff isn't happy in their role and wants to try and tell someone else how to do their role 
if you have dedicated staff for specific um you know like mechanics really nail the mechanics and they do their job really well that's great and the swan is the same and the ds the same it's when you start to get especially at this level i think you get certain people who want to try and you know have an opinion on the race or the tactics or um mechanics maybe want to try and tell the swannies what to do i think the way it you've got to work best and you've got to lay it out from the start and i'm starting to understand this as a ds now is you need to set the standards and set like set it out from the word go so everyone knows where they stand otherwise when when it starts to get confusing that's when the problems occur but um yeah it's a it's been a great challenge and one of i feel like i'm getting better at and one of i've loved Mm. We used to have. I got. I'm not being frivolous or disrespectful in the slightest. I often say that before. Perhaps it becomes disrespectful. But um, you used to always find in teams. It was almost like West Side Story between the mechanics and the soigneurs. <laughs> 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 they just clipped together. All the soigneurs had one type of personality. They were very uh, kind of. Well, they're called soigneurs, which is the French word to look after. Kind of, mm. and then you have the mechanics who were just looking after machines. So the soigneurs could never really relate to the mechanics. The mechanics thought the soigneurs had an easy job. The soigneurs thought the mechanics had an easy job. The the soigneurs were like, you don't know the riders. It's like we spend to- so much time with them. The mechanics mm. were like, we know the riders. We know their bikes. And they literally would have this kind of this constant tension. If you don't do what you're talking about, Pete, mm-hmm. of kind of diluting that tension between the soigneurs and the mechanics because no one really appreciates what they're doing, so they're fighting for it within the team for their kind of worth and status, unless you've got a good leadership, yeah. When you're a jet, you're a jet, all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. When you're a jet, let them do I've what got, they I've can. Got, I've got, got visions of like a massive West Side Story man. type dance routine <laughs> Completely. Between, the t- between the two gangs yeah. at the back of a company. <laughs> Like, you know, and they're just jumping on all the trucks and swinging sort of bike chains around like that. That's, that's yeah. the mechanic side. And then on the on the Swanier side, they've got oil. Yeah. Like yeah. Massage oil. And they've got just like... squirting massage oil. And, and, and like all the mechanics are slipping up and everywhere. Yeah. And they're getting they're the towels <laughs> and they're making them wet. So, you know, when they... Yes! Yeah, they're really <laughs> Now I know Tony like I know me. And I guarantee you can count him in. In, out, let's get cracking. Where are you going to find Bernardo? It ain't safe to go into PR territory. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like I mean, it's it Full anchor man. This whole sport is, this, this whole sport that we love uh, is insane, <laughs> by the way. Like, it's, it's, complete, crazy. It's, it's It's why we oh, ended talk, up so sane. Talking about, talking about insanity, guys, I, I posted on the WhatsApp group this morning, Elia Viviani. Classic. Explain. I mean, I'm not. I don't understand. <laughs> so no. I mean, it, honestly, is it like it's completely unprecedented, isn't it? I don't, I've never heard anything like this. Not, ever. With, su- not with success. No. A devil. What? Though? I'm sure people okay, have done not it. With, not with. Okay. Not with success. Yeah. What's come on a devil? To, yeah. You know, failure. A single later. devil. He, he lit the elimination race. What? So he lit. He literally raced in the morning. He raced the road race successfully. You know, finished in seventh place. All right. Italy didn't win. Um, but he was in the top 10 in a big bunch sprint. It's a very flat circuit. Um, Fabio Jakobsen won and well done to him and all that. And it was, um, and then five hours later, he was in the elimination race on so the track and he won. So this is an elimination European Championships or is it just... On the track. Th- it's, it's an actual thing yeah. now. It's separate to the Omnium. That's like a, a, a gold medal. Yeah. Uh, ooh, yeah. Uh, ooh. Well, I'm it conf- must be a European champion. At the devil. Yeah. 
That's but that. Yeah, well, uh, well, that okay. I need well, to. I need to double check. So that. I know he won the elimination this, race. I don't know this, if that was a championship. That is also mental. Run, this is a. This is, is. A, this is also a perfect example. Pete Kenya, mm. Olympic gold medalist in the track, nurtured, born and bred through the track. Ned Bolting, arguably one of the world's leading cycling commentators. Me, sort of between the both of you, because <laughs> uh, I don't. I, I'm not. <laughs> Because I don't know as much as either of you do. And right. we don't know what the hell that race was. Because <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah. track cycling, it's like you turn up and it's like, ooh, yeah. it's like walking up into a casino and never been to a casino before. And there's all these different games. Roll the dice. Blackjack. Yeah. Roll the yeah, dice. Yeah, What's yeah. the roulette? Yeah, how do you play What's the coin machine? Oh, how does that work? Can you explain That's how this That's basically like going to a track cycling I, event. Before I play my cards. Oh, no. I mean, l- l- <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so... When I was commentating on the track on the Commonwealth Games, I mean, I've you didn't. A bit you did not commentate the Commonwealth Games, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I might have done, Pete. I might have done. Um, but hang on. Well, Olivia, Elia Viviani's gold medal in the elimination race at the European Championships was a considerable achievement in his own right. He won a gold medal. He is the he is yes. the um, European champion in the in Pete, the devil. That's now an event. That is insane. Also, though, imagine going from <laughs> a, a road race where there's 200 people fighting for position. Uh, you finish, like, sick for something in the sprint. Great result. And then you get on the track and there's, like, 20 people. You'd be like, what? I mean, I'll just go on the front. <laughs> this is easy. 20 guys. And also, <laughs> and, also, and also, Pete, he probably didn't want to be there. No. So he was just kind of had that laissez-faire. No he pressure. was so relaxed. Yeah. So I he wonder was just I so wonder if like, that's hey, true. I've just warmed I up. I've just warmed up. I've just just done the 200k warm up. I'm ready. Ready to go, guys. These it's guys a classic. Are, hey, it's a got- classic Jacques Cotillo backing up Dauphiné and Bordeaux Paris, where he was the only person in the race that didn't want to be there for Bordeaux Paris, <laughs> and he ended up winning it because he was like, "Why am I here?" Oh. And then ends up winning it. But that's could, could you imagine story. Viviani rocking up to the track and all the other riders are there with their mad skin suits on? They're and like, got these headphones on that we're wearing now. In the zone yeah, with, <laughs> with their warm-up playlist, sweating like this is my, this is mine. Like I'm the best, I'm the best. And then he just rocks up like, oh, oh yeah, you ready? Yeah, all right, boys. All right, yeah. Just get on my wheel, and I'll tell you what I'll do for the next forty laps. I won't let you yeah. around me, and then I'll win. <laughs> do, you <have> something <laughs> do you know what? I I, from what from what I gather, he just played an absolute tactical. Mar- I didn't watch the race, but from the reports I've read, he, he it was just tactically perfect. Like no one even noticed he was in the race until there were two left. So, so and then you just pump the guy who finished. Can I it? explain the uh, devil tactics yeah. very quickly? So there's two there's yes, two ways you can please. play it. You either sit sitting at the back's a dangerous way, and you roll the last person on each sprint. <laughs> so you're second yeah. to last every time. Bear in mind it yeah. fans up. Laura Laura Kenny Laura Kenny does that a lot. Yeah, when she races the devil. It, yeah, she's really good. It's at a little it. bit yeah. risky, but and also there's only so much room on the track, so you can run out of space. Um, so that that's one risk. Uh, and then the other one is sit on the front, which um, Cam Mayer would probably do. Yeah, just massive tempo. Yeah, no one can right get round. Or the other one is probably Elia Viviani-esque or Mark Cavendish, where you're in that washing machine and you're constantly mm. staying in second. But you, it's probably the most stressful one in terms of fighting because you're always trying to stay second, third wheel. But yeah, and yeah, there you have it. So um. you, what you're saying basically is there's three places you can either be. Near the front, mm. near the back, or in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they each have their, but they each have their different complications. Yeah, because mm. even if you're the guy, yeah. if you can't be at the back, if you're not the person at the back who's going to yeah. pip second to last. So there's so always yeah. a guy on the back who's like, 
this is what I'm doing. And the, the guy who's actually on the back in front of him, he, he's just probably swinging a bit, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, but there's also the, the there's also the fight for like getting up on the track over the elimination line, isn't there? Because if you're pinned down onto the racing line, you've got a slower moving rider in front of you. You've got nowhere to Boxed go. Boxed in, and so they're, they're they're the rider normally who gets eliminated, and everyone else is just doing these big yeah, dives up or, the top. Or quite often you get like, like you say, Ned, where it all flurries up the top, and then this poor sod on the inside is just being overtaken no, by no option. Just uh, that's twenty it, yeah. people. And just, oh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, so there we go. Yeah, um, what a race! I, I can't yeah. believe it. Didn't I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just stuck with that picture because it's of Ellie Viviani just rocking into the velodrome, kind of post-road race in his Italian tracksuit, kind of like oh. no, uh, ciao. just doesn't give a AF. Come stai, and they're just all like, "This is our chance." And it's I reckon. <laughs> I reckon there's a strong possibility that Elia went to Burger King on yeah. his way yeah. in his way from having finished the road race. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they finished the road race in central Munich. I don't know where the temporary velodrome is geographically. Yeah. I know Munich quite well, but, um, but yeah. That, so he might have even had the Burger King wrapper yeah. in his hand and just chucked it in the bin on his way. I had a Burger <laughs> King today. Also, uh, still, still, still sipping the Coke. Just to conclude on this one, because we mentioned it earlier with um, with Ollie was, and you were saying Ned to him the kind of the the newer human thing. It's yeah. this is the elasticity of human performance. So it takes Elia Viviani maybe being forced to do it, kind of, or does it, then does it, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can do a a five hour elite road race, have a five hour race, and then do a twenty thirty minute track event with people who haven't done it and still beat them. Why not? Because we we literally don't know what we can do yet, and it's all these these random performances, which are kind of showing oh you can do that. The only it's nuts. The, it is nuts, and the only one thing you can take from it is that Elia Viviani must absolutely love racing <laughs> his bike. Yeah, fact that's true. Because could you imagine? No. Oh. European road race, 200k, <laughs> oh, dehydrated, stress, sprint finish. Oh, do you know what I'm going to go and do now? Got seventh. Oh, hey, should we, hit the Got clubs seventh. In, should we hit the clubs in Munich or, you know, chill out for a bit? No, nah, I'm going to go and do a, a devil, mate. I can get there in half an hour. Nuts. Imagine. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I can't yeah. imagine so, it. No. So, and that's uh, the love is part of the thing. And, and Ned, you have a love for Germany. Do you have any Munich stories? Oh, yeah. I do, I do. I mean, Germany, Munich was where I ended up when I left school because I'd, I, I already got a place at um, a university to study French and German. And I'd just been, I, I wasn't very good at either, actually. So I, I was very young and I needed to take a year abroad. And specifically, I needed to learn German because I, I had absolutely no German really when I left school. So I ended up working, um, uh, driving sort of forklift trucks and <laughs> working for a for a freight company on the outskirts of uh, on the outskirts of Munich, and I spent um, I think probably some of the loneliest and most miserable <laughs> months of my life, age seventeen, uh, in the in the um, in this tower block in a place called Unterschleißheim, which is just north of Munich, being paid um, almost nothing uh, by this freight company, and I was put up. I remember I had a, it was a bedsit. No, it was a room in a flat, and my landlord was this alcoholic. Um, who never got up off the couch and um, all day, every day, and the curtains were drawn and he chain-smoked all day, every day. And all he did was watch 
a particularly gory film about the death of a matador on repeat. Um, that was it. That was all he did. And he just, he never got out of his dressing gown all day, like I say, and I was terrified of him. And that's what I did for three months. But boy, did I learn German. I learned German really well. But many years later, I came back and I've often gone back to Germany. I was there earlier on this year. Um, and the, I, I think one of my strongest memories, guys, and I, <laughs> I just, I was, because I knew we'd be talking a little bit about Munich. I found a, uh, a review from a Munich newspaper going back to the early 90s. Um, can you see that? The it says, ugliest people in the world. It says, the ugliest people in the world. Humor mit slapstick. <laughs> right? And it's a review of a performance that me and a f my friend called Steve did. We had a, we had a kind of two-man performing comedy troupe. And for a month, we took up residence in a theatre in Munich. And our, our, comedy group, our comedy group was called The Ugliest People in the World. And it was the maddest show <laughs> you could ever possibly imagine. It was in two parts. The first part was called The Logan Dawson Story. And the second part, I've got, uh, somewhere I've still got postcards, our publicity material, I have to find them somewhere. And our second part was called The Thing with the King. And it was just us busting around the stage doing all this insane stuff, none of which made sense. Uh, but the Germans, the Germans loved it, mate. <laughs> Humor mit slapstick. Humor mit slapstick. Wow. I've never... Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Like sometimes, yeah. you know, when it's like stage 17 of the tour and you come into the catering and Ned just sits down and he's dead happy and he looks and he goes, I bloody love the Tour de France. Bloody love this race. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, mate, you're, you're, this is, you're pretty, pretty nuts, to be honest. And you're like, not right. And, and, and now, now I've heard this, I'm like, well, actually, that's, it's <laughs> <laughs> just, just like, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was on stage in Germany doing a show. <laughs> the fact yeah. that he loves the Tour de France it's, it was reviewed as days and days of work is quite is so normal. <laughs> it was called. They reviewed it. They said it's like a sad and happy cabaret, an existential psychodrama, laughter happening. It was. Can we just uh, bolt that onto the Never Strays Far kind of reviews? Yeah. You are quite. You yeah, are quite the will, human, yeah. Ned yeah. Bolting. I have to yeah. say, honestly, he is, isn't he? I'm, that is I'm, really Pete, impressive, Pete. I'm an older human. It's an older There's human. different, you know, I'm just this the older the human. Difference. In the, you know. And newer humans and don't have you know. those type of powers yeah. that older humans have. No. no way could you send someone off to Germany, a newer human, because mm. they'd question it too much. They'd be like, why am I doing this? What's why? it for? Why am be, what, what am I going to achieve? They wouldn't be driving... But I do yeah. remember, you know? I do remember, guys, when, uh, when, we, when we went, when me and Steve went to go because we've been booked for a month we performed that show for a month in a in a theater a called Rechtsander Isar in 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 Munich every night <laughs> and we lived because we couldn't afford any accommodation so we lived in a disused um office block with no heating <laughs> we just had some we champion. unrolled some sleeping bags and Steve had a little kettle and all for that the sort of thing. we were covered in frost every morning just for the sheer art of it yeah. but I remember we got there Steve had been given by his parents a Mini Metro. Do you remember them, Pete? Yeah, I had Probably. that. It was one of my first cars. Pete, do you know what a Mini I'd, Metro I'd is? I had an Austin mm. Metro. It was my nope. first ever car. Okay, it's a famously no. crap car from the 1980s. Okay. Um, and, and this thing was 15 years old, and we drove it 
all the way to Munich, or Steve did, I couldn't drive back then. And I remember as we pulled up outside our accommodation in Munich, I remember the exhaust pipe falling off. (laughs) 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 It started farting in Brussels, and it basically got us as far as Munich, and literally fell off in Munich. And we had a month to try and find somebody in Germany (laughs) who could replace the exhaust pipe on a mini metro. Now bear in mind, you know, Munich is the home of BMW. (laughs) Right, just up the road in Stuttgart, you've got Mercedes Benz <laughs> and right? Porsche, and Porsche, and 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 I'm I'm trying to find a, a with, and in the end, it was completely impossible, obviously. So we just left the oh car there and got the word. train back. My dad's <laughs> exhaust fell off when he was picking me up from school in the Citroen Two CV, which when I was in uh, year six, I horrifying. hated. Hey, I was like, mm. just don't even pick me up. So it, the exhaust, I can imagine. it was on a slight hill, and I remember it literally like yesterday exhaust fell off he reversed put his hand out the door picked it up <laughs> and put it in the car <laughs> I was like just go away I don't want you to pick me up yeah. and then um, but now I'm like oh they're actually quite cool <laughs> two CVs aren't they but, um, so I, my, my earliest memories from Scotland some of my earliest memories of being in the back of a two CV with my sister sliding around the back seat going to school We'll get on and trips. they're epic, yeah. aren't they? The yeah. windows that epic. kind of like fall with the gear stick out or in. Oh yeah. Um, when we yeah. moved, to, when we and going even to two thousand convertible eight in Girona, I bought Nicole a two CV here because we had very little money at the time, and I was going through fixing all my issues with everything I'd gone through, and so I was like, let's get a two CV. I love two CVs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we got a two I, CV. I've thought that about but actually yeah. just buying one yeah. for the. Uh, the whole nostalgia but um so ned we've obviously know you know germany uh impacted your life in in quite a few ways and what you've gone on to do what yeah uh, i hope this isn't an awkward question um like (laughs) like (laughs) i do all the time but (laughs) after the the necklace i mean that just was yes what's (laughs) what's steve up to (laughs) steve oh you'll love this (laughs) steve Steve, who couldn't speak... That's such a good question. Steve became the star. He fell in love with a German woman, but in London. He did and not. And years later... Yeah, he did. L- years later, speaking no German at all, he moved with her to Cologne in the early 90s. And um, the next thing I knew, he was like a famous soap opera star in Germany. <laughs> like, this is he, mad. He'd learnt enough German. He'd learnt enough German to be able to sort of say his lines with a strong British accent. So he paid, in the, literally, in the equivalent of EastEnders in Germany, <laughs> for years and years and years, he played this evil British guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Legend. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, yeah. Now, and, and now he's like a, um, a communist uh, um, agitator. He's like a, a local politician type guy. He's quite mm. an interesting character, Steve. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the ugliest people in the world. We made our mark. Yeah. We made our mark. Uh, yes. Well, there well, we go. Yeah. I've got to um, yeah. go back to dinner. What's next? You've got to go back to dinner. I've got to cook dinner. Yeah. Pete, you've got to eat dinner. Mm. I've guess. just uh, one thing. We have got some guests here. Uh, we got Lexi, who's here visiting from the Netherlands. It's her birthday, her thirty-third birthday today. A couple of friends. Uh, oh, happy birthday, Lexi! Happy, happy birthday, Lexi! Lexi. And uh, Rachel and Ed, who've come by to have dinner with us, and and they were discussing how they they actually listen to our podcast. Who doesn't? Happy. Uh, but they said they. Uh, <laughs> what I'm noticing, a lot of people listen to it uh, just before they go to bed. But then they have the mm. discussion saying you shouldn't listen to it before you go to bed because you laugh too much and it, it doesn't shut you down. So you have mm. to do these things. So perhaps Ned, we just need to slow down the end at the end of the podcast so they can kind of just go to sleep. Oh, well, 
Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Get, fill them with good thoughts as they drift off. Yeah, you can do that and yeah. then we can sign off the podcast. Okay. Well, I want you to imagine a happy place. You know, that can be a happy place that you've often gone to. It can be an orchard with golden sunlight as the sun just dips down through the trees and eventually disappears behind the horizon, leaving just just a screen of blue that changes from the lightest blue to the darkest. And eventually all you can hear are the birds and the woodland animals finding their home and falling asleep. All is peaceful. All will be there in the morning, just as you wish it to be when you wake up and another day begins.